You're listening to For the Record, a registrar podcast sponsored by ACRO. I'm Rita Peaster, University Registrar at Oklahoma State University. And I'm Aaron Apple, Assistant Registrar for Enrollment and Residency at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And this is Project Management for Registrars. Hello, welcome to For the Record. I'm Doug McKenna, University Registrar at George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia. And hi, I'm Sarah Reed, the Registrar at UC Hastings College of the Law in San Francisco. And today we're going to be talking about one of those core skills that almost every registrar needs, but that we rarely talk about explicitly, and that is project management. Rita and Aaron are here to walk us through some of those elements of project management we need to be aware of, give us some examples of things to definitely do during a project and things to avoid, and provide suggestions for ways to be a better PM who happens to work in a registrar's office, or maybe even be the registrar. So Rita, Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Would you take a moment and tell us a little bit about yourselves? who you are, where you're from, a little bit about your institutions, and Rita, we'll start with you. Okay, great. So again, my name's Rita Peaster, and I have been here at Oklahoma State University, which is in Stillwater, Oklahoma, since 1997. And um, I joined the registrar's office in about 2006. I was recruited to come here from our central IT department, where I had been working primarily as a project manager for about seven years. So Oklahoma State is a land-grant R1 research university, so we have about 24,000 full-time students, and it's a great place to be. Right on. Aaron. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm uh, Aaron Apple, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, the uh, Assistant Registrar for Enrollment and Residency. University of Wisconsin-Madison is also a public uh, land-grant R1 research university. Total enrollment for fall 2021 was around 47,000 students in 13 schools and colleges across 280 graduate and professional programs. I've been with the registrar's office since 2003. Uh, Various different roles uh, throughout my history here started in the business analyst role, uh, working with student financials, uh, tuition assessment, did a little bit of dabbling in PeopleSoft development land, leading to design and development of a series of customizations to track student data related primarily to residents for tuition purposes and some veterans programming prior to PeopleSoft releasing support for veterans tracking and, and, and so forth. Uh, but most recently as a project product owner and project manager uh, of the homegrown application that we use for course course search and course, course searching and uh, enrollment in support of our uh, student enrollment. Right on. And so Aaron, you mentioned PeopleSoft. Rita, what SIS is? On? Sure, Oklahoma State, we are a banner school. Got it, okay. Sarah, what SIS is UC Hastings on? It's colleague. Yeah, is it? from Banner a few years back. Mm-hmm. Right, on, right on. And Mason is a Banner school as well. So now we're just all SIS in it up. We're not here to talk about student information systems necessarily. We are here to talk about project management. So let's jump in at the deep end and we'll see where this takes us. We're happy to have a, a meandering conversation about this. Sarah, if you have questions, jump in. But let's start things off pretty broadly to either Rita or Aaron. 
how do you define project management and why is project management important for an administrative office like the registrar's office? Well, I guess I can uh, I can try to, to start with this. Not everybody then, at once. <laughs> <laughs> and then Aaron, please just chime in. So if we if we take a look at the Project Management Book of Knowledge, or as it's affectionately referred to as the PMBOK, they they define a project as a temporary endeavor undertaken to create a unique product, service, or result. And then project management is the application of knowledge, skills, tools, and techniques to project activities to meet the project requirements. So I know that's not very exciting, uh, that those definitions, but I think that all of us can name projects that we've either been involved with or projects that we've been uh, responsible for. And I think we can even, we can also all recognize projects that aren't going well. You know, you, there's a lot of confusion, uh, people out of the loop, you can just kind of get, be spinning in circles, you know, and unfortunately when projects are not going well, they, it can just be a lot of wasted time and frustration for, for everyone, wasted budget dollars. So I think, uh, you know, and often we may find ourselves be responsible for a project and just be, um, overwhelmed at, you know, oh my gosh, if, if you've never, um, been exposed to project management before, you might just be overwhelmed and really not sure what you need to do. So I, I think that's where I think it's it applies widely to our our profession. Yeah, I agree, Rita. A lot of the uh, the the project management framework uh, allows people involved in uh, in project work to to follow a series of steps, and, and it mm-hmm. provides guidance uh, in an effort to avoid or reduce or eliminate some of those pitfalls that we run into in in projects that aren't led well. So it's, ultimately, it's a, a an effort to avoid avoid that wasted time um, or missed uh, requirements or some of those uh, some of the primary stoppers uh, that are often encountered in bad project management. You've both have mentioned a framework in broad terms. Let's dig into that a little. What is a project management framework uh, specifically? What does it consist of? I think there are probably several different models out there. So I, I was trained up in your more classical project management model. Um, some of the things I've heard Aaron talk about sounds like that he's probably more in the agile or scrum kind of a framework. But from, from uh, my background, you know, uh, the framework begins with, initi- you know, you have some, some things you do to initiate a project, just to kind of define what it is you're going to do, who's going to be involved, you know, what's your general time frame, uh, things like that. Um, and then after you initiate, then you get in and you really start to plan. You try to get a, a little bit more of a detailed schedule together. You might build a plan for communication throughout the project and other things like that. Then after you're done with your planning phase, you go into a phase where you're executing the project. You're actually, the team's doing the work of the project. You're getting in there, getting things done. And at the same time you execute, there's also uh, your project manager will be doing some monitoring and just controlling. So the project manager is checking on the status of the various activities, 
um, looking for issues, helping to make sure the issues are addressed, managing change, you know, things like that. And then at the and then also finally you recognize when the project is complete, and then there are certain things you want to do when you're closing out the project. Just making sure everything that you set out to do uh, has been completed and completed as intended. Taking opportunities to you know celebrate success, and also take time to maybe learn lessons. You know that nothing goes perfect or <laughs> according to plan. So just taking that time to recognize, hey, what did we do great? You know, what did we do great that we want to make sure we take forward to the next project? And then what maybe didn't go so well where we can learn from that um, before we go into the next project? Yeah, Rita mentioned um, you know the different approaches uh, towards project management and. She's right. The, the comparison between uh, the traditional or the waterfall approach, which is more linear in nature, follows a, a, a construct of um, of that framework and steps pr- uh, moving forward through the uh, through the project, and oftentimes has a a set time frame and locked into a, a, a delivery model, and you've got expectations laid out and follow that that timeline. In the projects that I have most experience working with from a PM perspective, uh, we're utilizing uh, the Agile Scrum project management methodology, uh, which is more cyclical in nature. Um, you identify some, not necessarily quick wins, it's more iterative in a more iterative development approach. Team-based approach develop to develop, developing software uh, lends itself really well to software development, which is the, the primary project that uh, I've been focused on. It's very high touch and less grounded in in timelines um, and scheduled deployments, but lends itself well to to the feedback gathering and frequent testing of improvements and minor releases. We uh, often approach it with the the MVP approach, MVP model, the minimum viable product. What can I get out the door minimally uh, in a short turnaround so our customers can experience and see that that value is being added? Yeah, that progress uh, is being made. Correct, and continually uh, develop on top of those earlier iterations. I think the naming of these frameworks is awesome, and I love them. The waterfall, I'm familiar with that. But then Agile and Scrum just makes me feel like everybody is in a big pile, and that is, it seems counterintuitive to like managing a project with the visual of like a big rugby, everybody like. <laughs> beating heads. So. You know, my favorite thing about Scrum is that uh, the project managers are called Scrum Masters. <laughs> and I mean, I want to be a Scrum Master. I think that just sounds, I love that title. That's wild. <laughs> Rita, you mentioned that you were trained up in mm-hmm. the traditional project mm-hmm. management. Can you talk a little bit about what kind of training you might mm-hmm. have received? Sure. And who provided that and what sure. the difference and stuff? Sure. So there is uh, an entity called the Project Management Institute. So I believe PMI.org is the website you can go to to learn all about PMI and the various levels of certifications that you can obtain through there. And so since um, at the time that I got certified, I mean, I was a I was an IT project manager. Um, they didn't have as many different types of certifications back then. So I uh, I worked towards and obtained a certification as a project management professional or a PMP. And uh, so that is my, that's kind of the classic 
project management credential out there as far as, as I understand. But they have created quite a few um, uh, more streamlined certifications uh, since that time. So there's Agile Project Management, and I can't, sorry, I'm not up to date on all the different ones, but PMI.org is an excellent place to go look. Also, uh, if you're more interested in the Scrum methodology that Aaron described, Scrum.org is a great place to go to get information. Um, and then, you know, you just use Google for project management and there are a bunch of different websites out there that are data dedicated to project management. Lots of free webinars you can find, lots of free templates you can find. So there's just all sorts of great content out there to be had. And do you think, in your professional opinion, that it is worth it for people in the registrar's office to pursue some form of project management training officially? Sure. I would say that's really up to each individual and probably also dependent upon your particular responsibilities within your organization. Mm -hmm. You know, if your responsibilities are IT related, so if you are, you know, an assistant registrar or, or a, you know, admissions personnel that is um, got technology responsibilities and you're often put in charge of of uh, implementing projects, I think definitely some level of of uh, professional certification would be very very helpful. It just becomes like from from my experience, the the different tools that you need to manage a project, they it just helps them become more ingrained in you, and it you're just more naturally you just will have a natural understanding of how to approach a project and how to help manage it throughout. But if you don't often, you know, if your uh, responsibilities are not really ingrained in implementing projects all the time, then that may, it's probably not necessary. It may not be necessary, but if you can obtain just basic understanding of, you know, some of the key uh, processes out there to help get a project started um, and understand how to keep track of a project and, things like that. I, I don't know that it's necessary for everyone. Aaron, what do you think, you, Aaron? Oh, sorry. Yeah, that was, I was throwing it to Aaron as well. Same question. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, so like, like Rita mentioned, if your roles and responsibilities or position requires you to be like neck deep in PM land, then yes, uh, project management, you know, formal certifications will be very handy. And oftentimes, uh, depending on on the role, if you're coming in as a being hired as a project manager, the, it's it's a requirement of of the position to have a a formal certification. That being said, uh, at the, at uh, UW Madison in the registrar's office, we don't have a formal PM position, um, but we have lots of folks that play uh, somewhat of a role in a in a project management space, and to that end. We found it very helpful to to rely on campus resources uh, that are that are often offered, professional development series or opportunities. I know at uh, UW Madison, I participated in a uh, project management uh, three day symposium to touch base on the high points of project management. Got a little bit into the weeds uh, and uh, took a peek under the hood uh, for for some of the details and dove into the waterfall framework um, for project management. Um, but then a lot of the 
a lot of the learning that I've done has either been uh, self-guided research and reading with online resources that that we did mentioned, um, or uh, what's really been helpful is uh, the peer mentoring uh, and training. So observation, job shadow, working with others that are professionals in the space or in the area and see how they approach different different project management obstacles, if you will, or how to uh, best manage a, a project to make sure that uh, that you ultimately results in, in success. I appreciate that. Let's get specific, though, with those kinds of skills. Are there specific skills that individuals within a registrar's office can strengthen to improve their overall sort of project management abilities without necessarily pursuing a project management certification or just to be better equipped with managing all the various kinds of projects that come up. Because a lot of times the projects that we have in the registrar's office aren't necessarily projects in the classical sense of things, but a lot of things could be considered a project. And I think that we can probably manage a bunch of those better if we leverage some just sort of general project management principles. So are there specific skills absent a fully, you know, invested training opportunity or class or symposia? What would you recommend if someone is just like, I, I need to be better at this? What are the things that they should be better at in order to, to do project management work better? I think, you know, in personal experience, a lot of times uh, some of the some of the obstacles downstream in in a project could have been avoided uh, with more thought and outright planning. Uh, I think the ability to plan and communicate well at the onset of a project helps you avoid a lot of the pitfalls that you encounter downstream. So at back of my head, the 6P rule, prior planning prevents poor project performance. So stakeholder <laughs> engagement, uh, uh, so planning and uh, communication are, are two big things that I think anyone could could polish up on a little bit without any formal training. Stakeholder engagement is key, uh, ensuring that everybody that may be impacted by the by the project, either the uh, the uh, execution of the project or the outcome of the project, whether or not whether that's the actual developers that are working uh, working on implement em, implementing the project, or your stakeholders, your students, faculty, staff, advising community that are going to be impacted by the outcome. Make sure that everyone's engaged and and be transparent in that communication from the onset. So, if I were to pick two, planning and communication would be the two big ones in my uh, in my opinion. Say the six P rule again. <laughs> the 6P rule, prior planning prevents poor project performance. Right on. That's a good, <laughs> I like it. And also, I think I couldn't agree more about the communication. And one of the sort of guiding principles that I try to instill in people in my office uh, when they do these kinds of things is to really be thoughtful about who else needs to know about this. Mm -hmm. And how do we engage with them and make sure that they feel comfortable and informed? I would rather over communicate early, especially than under communicate and have to catch people up. So agreed. Rita, same question to you. Are there specific skills that someone? Yeah, well, I agree a hundred percent with what Aaron mentioned, the planning and the, the communication. Yeah. I mean, just communicate, 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 you know, you could do, a beautiful job of implementing 
some project. But if you don't have, uh, if you are missing, if you missed some key communication points along the way, either not ensuring you have buy-in from your stakeholders or you haven't informed people enough about you know what how what their role is with it or using it i mean the project can just be you know doa uh, it can just not be a success overall so yes communicate communicate i would also say that conducting effective meetings can be helpful i mean that might be that might be a small thing but typically i think in any project if you're uh, if you are uh, the one that's responsible for keeping track of it or even if you are a team member, but I think making sure that your meetings have a purpose, you know, go into it, make sure you have a purpose, make sure you have an agenda, understand what it is you're going to try, you know, that needs to be covered. If you can go into it, understanding desired outcomes, that can be helpful. And then uh, it's important to document action items. You know, if you have a great meeting, even if it's a wonderful meeting, you know, and you're like, okay, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, I've got to do these things. If no, if you don't, you know, keep track of it or follow up on any of that afterwards, then that time can just kind of be wasted. So, you know, documenting what those action items are and following up. Rita, can you talk to us more about that actual documentation process? I know there's a lot of different ways people do it, but for someone who maybe doesn't have that background, what do you guys recommend? Like a Google Drive? How do you how do you do some of that more formal documentation? And what do you do when someone isn't holding up their end of the bargain? Sure. So in terms of documentation, I don't think there's any one way. I think it's whatever works for you. You know, I mean, I still have my, you know, my paper pad and my pen over here that I, <laughs> I keep notes in. Yes, I am. I'm old school. But in addition to that, uh, I have, you know, a plethora. We, we have different ways to, to track different kinds of things here in my office. So I think whatever works for you is great. Um, I've used a variety of tools and I don't think there's one set. Whatever works for you is probably the right one. Yeah, with regards to documentation, I think a lot of times it depends on uh, the types of documentation you're talking about and the audience that's going to be consuming that information. Um, for instance, uh, in our course search and enroll app, uh, we've got a, a significant number of knowledge-based documents that we publish uh, for our uh, for our end users, so the students, uh, faculty, staff, as a it's a self-guided kind of uh, help desk, if you will. Um, so a series of help documentation on how to how to interact and, and use the application. As far as project documentation goes, though, uh, that resides in a in a different form in a different area. Uh, we use um, either a wiki, uh, a wiki page for the uh, project technical documentation. We also have a Google Drive that has quite a bit of documentation over the years from from just running the project, right? So not necessarily technical documentation that resides in a wiki. Our help documentation resides in a knowledge base. Our project, functional project documentation resides in a uh, in a Google Drive uh, for easy collaboration. So I guess to sum it up, just based on uh, the type of documentation and the audience and the need for that documentation will help drive or determine where it resides. Awesome, thank you. And part two of my question is, how do you, you know, what do you do when the pro, when people, you know, everyone is meeting for these reasons, right, to move it forward. But what do you do when people aren't pulling up their end of the bargain? I think that's the hard part of managing projects is 
we're here to do it and not everyone has, you know, we're, we're all overwhelmed with work. So how do you manage those difficult conversations? What do you do? Yeah, I think that's an excellent question. And it depends probably on who the person is and your relationship, you know, to them or with them. I think the simplest thing is just follow up, you know, get, allow time, allow them some uh, you know, a buffer of time, recognizing, as you said, Sarah, that everyone is overwhelmed with work. This project is not the only thing that they have going on. Uh, they also have a life going on uh, and other things. So so allow a buffer. You know, don't expect people to be perfect because none of us are. But then gently, you know, reach out, follow up. And then if you've got to do that again, just kind of repeat. <laughs> allow a buffer of time give a little grace, but then follow up again, you know, and, and then I would say if you, if someone's just completely unresponsive, and you've given them several, you know, there've been several times, then, you know, it's just a matter of the situation, you may need to escalate the situation on up the chain as needed. Yeah, I think uh, the first part of the, the conversation, I guess, would be to, to try and identify and empathize and figure out the why? Why are we at this at this point? What's going on mm -hmm. in the in the person's life or or um, mm -hmm. in their work to, that leads to this issue? But then help work through uh, how you can address what what is going on and some of the underlying mm -hmm. problems. And a great point, Rita, in that it all depends on uh, your relationship with the individual, whether or not that's someone you supervise directly, or if it's someone that you're collaborating with from a, from a different mm -hmm. office. It'll have a different different approach to to addressing the issues, whether or not mm -hmm. that's a conversation with their supervisor, if it's a, a colleague in a different office that you're collaborating with, and then find ways to to help mitigate the impacts of that, whether or not that's introducing additional resources, relying on a on a on a different developer to to, to backfill the space if a if a deadline is looming and uh, you really need to get something done because uh, because of other dependencies. It's, it's kind of difficult to point to any one solution because I don't think there's one size fits all uh, on how to address some of these problems. It's very situationally dynamic. I might also add that it can be uh, really important to, to understand what mode of communication works best for different people. Great point. You know, I happen to be an old fashioned email girl. Uh, if you don't, if I don't <laughs> receive, you know, if you need me to do something and we talk about it, great. But if I, I, I will tell people, could you please email me? Because that is just, it's my, it's, it's part of how I manage things. Other people though, email, they just don't, they don't really connect with that. They may be a phone call. They may be a face-to-face. -face. They may be a, um, they may uh, be notes in the wiki. Yeah. Yes, they may be. Exactly. <laughs> so trying to figure out uh, what works for some people need cookies. You know, I don't know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> lunch. Yeah. That's right. Lunch. <laughs> These are really good points, though, because I think, you know, and when working in this office, there's some folks who kind of tend towards more on the OCD side. And so. You know, really having those hard deadlines <laughs> can be the tendency, <laughs> and I think it really is important to mention that grace is really um, mm -hmm. really great points. What are challenges that you have faced that using project management skills or practices have resolved? What are some of those pitfalls within a project that good project management practices um, can have 
alleviated for you in your experience? I think for me, I would say probably uh, dealing with unforeseen issues. If you just understand from the beginning and accept that there will be things you don't see coming, there will be issues, and it's just part of a project to anticipate and adjust, I think that that can be helpful. Uh, And I think also just being uh, dedicated to documentation and planning has really helped a lot as well. I think along those similar lines that, you know, the planning aspect of project management and documentation and building business requirements, some of those those basic concepts have really helped in allowing us to, to not miss any functionality gaps uh, when, when transitioning, uh, say, from one software to another, identifying business needs and functional needs uh, of the project is, and getting those documented uh, as part of the business requirements building phase of project management has really allowed us as an office to to not drop the ball on some major functionality. Like we didn't build a an enrollment system where you can't drop a course. Uh, that's really foundational, of course. <laughs> no one would miss that one. Right. Uh, but yeah. just just the uh, the concept, um, and and also has. Uh, allowed us we're not focused primarily or, or so much on the on the deadlines but let's let's face it we do have windows of time where um, it's better to release software uh, that's yeah. going to be used for uh, supporting enrollment like prior to a priority enrollment period um, or in a, in a in a in a down cycle but not right in the middle of summer orientation so um, having those the that planning uh, and identifying a timeline and release schedules uh, allows us to uh, to not miss like deadlines or impact other key critical campus uh, operations that are ongoing i might also just add just circling back to the importance of communication i think also just understanding that if things are going wrong or if you're in a tough spot how important uh, additional communication can be just to help keep people informed mm-hmm. and calm people's nerves and et cetera. Which also ties back uh, to the the critical nature of stakeholder engagement, building yes. relationships mm-hmm. as part mm-hmm. of the project mm-hmm. will <laughs> will greatly improve your relationships down, downstream or uh, allow for more calm conversations Mm -hmm. when something does go awry because Mm -hmm. let's face it it will happen and Mm -hmm. does happen yeah every project yep Mm -hmm. you you just have to expect it Mm -hmm. and that's also the what you were saying about giving people grace and some time having that early and intentional communication before things go wrong lets you sort of set the stage for understanding how to communicate with people and what they need to hear and you know being able to make sure that everyone's remains positively focused even when things hit a bumpy patch. So yeah. Sarah, you looked like you were about to say something. Oh, well, I was thinking something, but you're really perceptive. Um, I think often when starting a new role, which, you know, no one here is in that position, but there are folks who, who are transitioning to new jobs. And, and usually at that moment, that's when everyone comes out of the woodwork. They're happy to meet you. They have their list of things they really want you to do this time, right? When you're when you take over, and a lot of them are these big projects. Do you have any tips for someone in that position? Just some key things that you would recommend someone in that role 
doing when, you know, having their display of projects that people want them to do and just kind of figuring out the navigation of how, how to begin this. What should they take on their first year? You know, I, I, um, I think that I would, uh, if you have the luxury of a little time, I would tr- probably try to start by making sure if I'm brand new in a role that I take the time to go and first meet with key stakeholders, you know, go meet with key folks who may be, uh, who are the folks who may be needing, likely to need projects from us or looking for new services or something. Take the time to try to go and meet with as many of them as possible and just do a listening session. You know, just go and listen, take notes on what they want. Also take time to meet with your with your staff, understand your team and understand there the best you can. I mean, there's a lot to learn in a short amount of time when you're coming on to a new role. But try to learn as as in depth as possible what's on their shoulders, you know, how much time do they have for new projects, what are their pain points, and things like that. So just, I would hesitate to rush into anything immediately unless I I just had to, but just take the time to get the lay of the landscape, understand your stakeholders, their pain points, understand your own team, their needs, their pain points, and then just try to prioritize the projects uh, the best you can, uh, you know, based on what is possibly, I mean, there are going to be a lot of different ways to prioritize and it'll be different for every institution and every role. But I always try to look at what's going to have the biggest impact to the most people uh, as a big piece. Also, what does your boss need you to do? That's always going to factor, <laughs> always important to, in order to keep that new job that you have. Um, <laughs> And I do also try to look at, uh, you know, new efficiencies. What, where are we going to gain, gain efficiencies for my team members or, or for others? How do we improve quality of life, uh, improve student success, and et cetera? Yeah, uh, great points, Reed. I think, I think a couple of the other uh, things that come to mind is along the lines of prioritization, something that will influence that prioritization would be uh, dependencies, identify dependencies of different projects or mm-hmm. constraints uh, mm-hmm. that would be introduced by taking on one versus another um, as, as far as the order of priority goes. And capacity, team capacity. Mm-hmm. You know, we touched on it earlier about how uh, how folks are overworked and we're feeling it, right? And the day-to-day, the impact of taking on too much work and not saying no. So don't be afraid to say no. I guess would be one one bit of advice, but I, I like the idea of of the listening tour, you know, and that new role, go out and and build uh, build a network, um, have those conversations, and start identifying what's out there uh, as as part of the portfolio, what people are looking for, what their needs are. Impact is great. Dependencies, uh, another uh, influencer in that conversation, and just again capacity. What do you have the time to do? or the skills on your team or the mm-hmm. in particular. So my question about prioritization is slightly different and it relates more to sort of those lower case P projects and how to prioritize. I have five different teams within the registrar's office and each of those teams has its own top priority. And then for the office, we have three or four, what I would consider major projects that are going on. And those have more of a hierarchical 
prioritization, uh, more formal prioritization based on, Aaron, the things you were just talking about, dependencies, capacities, involvement of other offices, you know, available resources, et cetera. How would you recommend keeping track of the various priorities within the office, given the hypothetical, not hypothetical, but actual example that I just provided, so that both people within the office have an understanding of sort of where their particular thing lives in the larger scheme of office projects, but then also so that you have a mechanism of sharing out to other offices across campus, here's what we're working on and why we can't say yes to what you're asking us to do right now. Recommendations or tips and tricks on how to manage and communicate and document those lowercase p projects in addition to as part of this landscape? That's a really good question. And uh, at UW-Madison, we've been uh, fortunate to to work with Katie Free. So Katie Free is our por- portfolio manager within the office of the registrar. So we identified the need for this oversight and management of the projects, not just project management. Yes. Um, and and so we were intentional in, in appointing or hiring a portfolio manager that uh, a major part of a role is to is that oversight of the portfolio of projects that we have in the RO. The internal communication is a little easier in general. Um, she's instituted a number of uh, improvements and efficiencies. Uh, anything from the uh, project intake forms that we're that we fill out uh, annually to start building out our portfolio of of projects to to focus on and work on. So we've got a an intake form that she's created that asks some of those questions around uh, impact, scope, and general questions about the project uh, as proposed. And then as a leadership team, we, we review the submitted projects and rank them according to some of the metrics that were collected in the, in the submission process. All of that information is, uh, is collected and presented in a series of, of uh, documents on Google Drive that's easily shared internally so that at any given point, uh, someone can reference the documentation to, to see what's, uh, what's being worked on, uh, what's coming up next, what's the, uh, you know, the progress being made on, on a particular project and, and, and see how the prioritization falls in line. The, the larger campus conversations, we just don't open the spreadsheets for everybody on campus to come and look at what we're working on as a whole. Right. Um, but it, but that, uh, that documentation does help inform the conversations that we have uh, external to the office of the registrar when, when talking about prioritization of work. Does she use a formal portfolio management tool? Is there software? Are you using like some Microsoft suite or, you know, an Asana board, or is it just a Google Drive? Katie is a Google Sheets wizard. Okay. <laughs> right on. So at uh, OSU, we have, I have weekly meetings with my technology team leadership, and we have a list of all of our projects, the ones that are currently active, plus our kind of wish list, the the smaller ones. Well, they may be smaller, they may be big, but everything that we have that's either active or in the queue or we've identified that we need to do, we just on a regular, every week we get together and we go through those and we um, update general timelines for the ones that are active. We reprioritize as needed. So we 
we, we visit, revisit priorities on a weekly basis. And then in terms of communicating um, out to our, our teams, to, to the team within the office, probably it's more informal than what Aaron described. We have regular, you know, all staff meetings, and we always highlight successes of recent projects and talk about what we're working on, what's coming next. So we kind of talk about this, these are great things we finished, this is what we're doing now, and this is what's coming down the road. And, you know, try to give basics of, of why and 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 how and who's going to be involved and things like that. And um, as far as the greater campus community, uh, just take advantage of giving status updates on a regular basis, just kind of as needed, just kind of making judgment calls as to which group does faculty senate need to know this? Does instruction council do our advising directors? You know, what is what's pertinent to each audience? And then just doing our best to keep them informed as much as they can digest or you know, um, and is of interest to them. Right on. So we're coming to the end of our time together for this conversation, but I want to make sure that we have covered anything and everything that you feel like people need to hear about project management. And so have we missed anything? Are there questions about project management that you expected us to ask that we have not asked? And, or are there aspects of project management that you want to talk about that we haven't prompted? I think you guys have asked a lot of great questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I, I think the only thing that I might uh, close with is that um, there's a lot that a lot of basic project management principles that I think are available for anyone to pick up and start using without any fancy software, without any fancy certifications. You know, just just doing the basics of trying to to plan, trying to document what it is you're going to do. And being um, thoughtful about those yes, things. Yes, right, right. Mm-hmm. Being thoughtful about it. Communicate, communicate, communicate again. And trying to make sure that as you are doing your follow-up, having those meetings that you're being effective. And just go Google. You know, if you're like, well, I want to know more about communication plans. Just go and Google it. And I think that you will find a whole lot of just free, you know, whether it be templates or podcasts or, you know, all sorts of resources out there. So that's my two cents. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need formal PM training to take advantage and realize the benefits of project management in the workspace, especially in a registrar's office. There's no shortage of situations um, and small P projects, big P projects within the space that could benefit from project management best practices but you don't need to hold the certificate to be able to utilize those skills. Sarah, any closing questions or thoughts? Yeah, that, that was my, I think I'm just following up on this because there are a lot of people who I think are intimidated by project management or just not sure that they're doing it correctly. And I think the tips provided so far are fantastic. Are there any conferences or key seminars that you would also recommend um, that either of you are familiar with or someone who just needs a crash course or just a little bit more confidence? I would say, uh, again, I think Google's going to be your friend. I mean, there are so, I, I, I can't mention one conference. I mean, I don't know. People might be overwhelmed if they tried to jump in to a Project Management Institute annual conference. I, I, I don't think that would probably be helpful as a place to start. There are lots of virtual 
project management conferences that I've signed up for and taken advantage of, you know, which are free and you can kind of pick and choose what topics are of interest to you. We definitely also, like free. Yes. There mm-hmm. are also some uh, local user groups like project management. I don't know if user groups, but just local practitioner groups, I guess. If you like face-to-face, you just want to go talk to people, you know. So I, I think there are probably a variety of opportunities out there. Just I don't have any one to recommend, but I know there's a lot. And don't be don't be afraid to check out your institutional offerings as well mm-hmm. where you're working. I know... University of Wisconsin-Madison, we have a, a professional development uh, component of uh, of our HR office that offers a number of different trainings at low to no cost for university employees. And they've got a whole series of offerings in the project management space. That's a really good tip for people looking for activities with like staff retreats or something like that, mm-hmm. or even just individual professional development of opportunities for staff. Project management skills are transferable, very needed, and they the return on those investments are felt widely across the office. So it's not like you're just sending somebody off to get some skills for skills sake. It, these are actual tangible things that will your, your office and your staff will benefit from them beyond just the Oh, I'm, I've been professionally developed. <laughs> so, Rita and Aaron, I appreciate you being here so much and sharing your knowledge and wisdom about project management. I definitely think it's an area within the registrar's office that we could do a lot more with more intentionally or more explicitly calling things project management where we need to have them, where we need to have projects managed, I think is only going to strengthen the the core of people's registrar's offices and and administrative functions more broadly. So thank you for being willing to chat it up with us. Thanks for the invitation and the opportunity. You bet. You bet. Thank you. Thanks again to Rita and Aaron for sharing their knowledge with us. I encourage you to encourage your teams to do some project management training, even informally. It's one of those things that really helps overall. Thanks, too, to Sarah Reed for jumping in and helping out with hosting duties. It is summertime. I was lamenting with my team that summers used to be less frenetic in the registrar's office, but I think that those days are long gone, largely as a result of all the projects that we're working on. Even if you have a full slate of projects, be sure to take some time away from work to recharge. There's only one you, and you got to take care of yourself. Thanks very much for listening. Check out the show notes page for some project management resources. And if you are enjoying the podcast, send it along to a friend or a colleague or both. Stay hydrated while you're fighting the patriarchy. Until next time, I'm Doug McKenna, and this is For the Record.